Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. Well, what well, well, bad start. Well, welcome to church. So great to have you as we start a new series here in church for the next couple of months. Uh, and the series, the theme is show and tell. The whole thrust behind the show and tell uh, theme is uh, a bunch of time, a couple of months, where we're going to teach and preach around our core values that we hold um, as C3 Church Toport. So myself and Pastor Sarah and a whole lot of the other team are going to uh, be speaking around what makes us C3 Church Toport, what makes us tick. And we have these four uh, core values which sort of are the foundation for all that we do. They are like the stakes that hold C3 Church's tent in shape and in the ground. And uh, they are, we are supernatural, we are inclusive, we are equal, and we do the journey. They're the four fundamentals of C3 Church Topor. And if you've gone through Growth Track, you'll know a little bit about these. And uh, if you haven't gone through Growth Track, make sure you see Ryan Chadwick and he'll get you on the list. Uh, for that. So uh, show and tell, this may bring back memories for some of you about mostly a a primary school exercise where you bring something to your classmates that you love to show them and tell them about it. It's really simple. Maybe a book, an animal, I don't know, whatever, favorite rugby ball. And you share with the people in front of you, your class, what you love about it. And our heart is to educate you as our church and as God's church that you may be able to show and tell people what you love about C3 Church Topo and why you love it. That you would be empowered and equipped with language and understanding of who we are as a church to show and tell your friends, to show and tell the world, to show and tell your community about us as a church and about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So uh, we're going we're gonna to do it and we're going to crack into it. All my show and tell examples are pitifully embarrassing, so I'm not going to use any examples of when I went to school with show and tell. But uh, we're going to go to the book of Second Kings this morning, and the, the uh, core value I want to touch on and, and open up this series with is the core value that we do the journey, that we're called together to go somewhere together, that we're not called to a standstill, we're called to a journey. And we see this all through the Bible. God calls people not to be stationary. He calls people to a journey, to a lifestyle, to to partner with Him in the accomplishment of His great plan and purpose for our lives, excuse me, individually, but also for our lives collectively as His church. But we do the journey. We are a group of people going somewhere together. Ultimately, we're going to heaven together, but while we're here on earth, we are, 
we've been given each other so that we may help each other walk in the fullness of life that God Himself has for us to walk in. And many people have a plan for your life, but none should trump the plan that God has for your life. Your boss has a plan for your life. Your husband or wife probably has a plan for your wife, uh, for your wife, for your life. <laughs> the world definitely has a plan for your life. The bank has a plan for your life. But more importantly, and above all else, God has a plan for your life. And we as a people and we as a church will always be speaking to that plan that is in your life. Because I know that as you wholeheartedly follow the plan that God has for your life, all the other dreams in your life naturally get added to it. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That as we make the plan of God for our life, the chief plan for our life, the paramount plan for our life, we can live with zero fear of missing out on anything. Because His promise back to you is, I will add unto your life all the things that you need and desire and hold in your heart. The other things that He will take care of if you take care of His business. But often this thing called worry and fear sneaks in that if I do this, I'm not going to be able to do that. It's like filling the jar. The professor, he stood in front of a classroom and he had rocks and he had stones and he had sand. And he said, will all this fit in the jar? And there was to and froing about it. Yes, maybe, I don't know. And yes, it all fits in the jar if it's all put in in the right order. If you put the sand in first, you'll never fill that jar. You'll never be able to fit into that jar the stones and the rocks. If you put in the stones first, same thing. But if you put into your life and make it a priority to fill your life first with the most important things and the greatest things, you'll find that everything else fits in around it. If you put in that jar the few small, big rocks, and then you put in the stones and you just shake it a little bit, you'll find within the parameters of that jar, all those little stones, they, they fit in around the greater ones. And then you finish by putting in the sand and you shake it a bit more and you'll find the sand can fit in around the big stones and the little stones so everything fits into your life. But when we focus on fitting, you know, on the small things of our life, the probably more insignificant things of our life, we fail to be able to fit into our life the things of most importance. But as we focus on the things of most importance, all the other things naturally fit in around that. And the call of God, God's plan for your life is one of the big rocks that should be the first into your life. And you should be able to put it right in the middle with no fear that nothing else will be able to fit around it. Because God's promise to you is that as that is central in your life, everything else will fit in around it. Everything else in that jar of your 90 years, your 80 years, or your, you know, the years you have left, it's going to fit in. It's going to happen. God will bring it to pass. So we're all about doing the journey and calling out the God seed, the God destiny that is within the church and within the individuals. Because we know the most fulfilled life is one that is spent pursuing the call of God, pursuing God with it. The world tells us to pursue money, to pursue fame, to pursue things. And none of these things are bad, but they are to have a negative impact on it when they take the place of God in our life. But as God takes His place, everything else takes its place and behaves itself. 
We don't end up with golden calves. Dumb stuff like that. But anyway, back to Kings. We're, gonna, we're going on the journey, and we, we're doing it together, and we're going to do it well. But 2 Kings 9 says this, and this is an example, a little snapshot of how doing the journey together brings out the best in us. The prophet Elisha summoned a man from the company of the prophets and said to him, Tuck in your cloak, or tuck your cloak into your belt, tuck your, pant, tuck your shirt into your pants, take this flask of olive oil, like a flask, this is a bottle, it's probably bigger than that, it's a flask, two or three liters, take this flask of olive oil and go with, and take it and go to Ramoth Galit. When you get there, look for Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi. Go to him, get him away from his companions, and take him um, to an inner room. Then take the flask and pour the oil on his head and declare, this is what the Lord says, I anoint you king over Israel. Then open the door and run. <laughs> In case he disagrees. He's Jehu. He's a volatile creature. Then run away. So the young prophet went there, and when he arrived, he found army army officers sitting together. I have a message for you, commander, he said. For which of us, asked Jehu. For you, commander, he replied. Jehu got up, went into the house. Then the prophet poured the oil on Jehu's head and declared, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anoint you king over the Lord's people, Israel. You're to destroy the house of Ahab, etc., etc., Jezebel. And he says, and then he did it, and then he opened the door and he ran. When Jehu went out, his fellow officers, to his fellow officers, one of them asked him, is everything all right? Why did this maniac come to you? Jehu says, you know the man and the sort of things he says? That's not true, they said, tell us. Jehu said, here is what he told me. This is what the Lord says, I know you king over Israel. They quickly took their cloaks, spread them under him on the bare steps, and they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. So picture this with me. The young prophet, he turns up to where Jehu is, and he's sitting around with some of his work colleagues, some of his fellow army men. Ahab and Jezebel are destroying Israel. These guys are kind of out in the wilderness, having a meeting about life, what's going on, having a connect group, having a discussion. And this young prophet turns up with a flask of oil and he walks into them and he says, he goes up and he he says to Jehu, he says, I have a message for you, commander. He like, he walks up to Cameron, I have a message for you, Cameron. And Cameron back, says back, a message for who? And he's like, a message for you, Cameron. And Jehu's like, maybe trying to dodge a bullet here. He says, I've got a message for you, commander. And he's like, for who? For which of us? For you, commander, he replied. Like, for you. That's why I said, I have a message for you. Because it's for you. And he says, come with me. We have to go inside. So Jehu gets up and he follows this prophet inside, where he then anoints him with oil. Now, we anoint with oil, you know, in our church with this 
quaint little flask and we might dab some on your head or, or dab some on your hand. Elisha gives the young prophet like a flask of oil. And he goes into the room with Jehu and he says, this is what God says, I anoint you king over Israel and then proceeds to pour, I won't do it, pour, no, I won't do it. Then he proceeds to empty the flask of oil onto Jehu. Now he was an army commander. He would have had a better beard than I do. He would have had more hair than I do. He would have been wearing clothes made out of leather, some kind of animal hide. And he would have, the oil would have not just touched his hair, it would have run down his bed, it would have run down his clothes, and it would have run all the way down until he was standing in a pool of oil. This is how they anointed people Old Testament style. They poured oil, the Lord's anointing, the Lord's spirit, the Lord's seal, the Lord's hand was poured out upon Jehu until he was covered in oil. His head, his face, his beard, all over his clothes, dripping down, all over his feet, dust, dirt, all matted in there. Like pouring oil over. Ariki's a probably far better example of what Jehu would have been like. A real man's kind of man, like, and he poured so much oil all through his hair, olive oil, all through his bed, all over his clothes, all around him. And then the prophet naturally ran out the door. He left him. Now Jehu walks out back to his group of buddies. He says, when Jehu went out to his fellow officers, one of them asked, is everything all right? Why did this maniac come to you? They're like, it's a bit odd. Why did this guy turn up? And Jehu's like, oh, you know this man and the sort of things he says. Jehu is standing there covered in oil, like head to toe. He has been anointed with a flask of olive oil. The prophet didn't carry a flask of olive oil all that way to dip his finger in it and put a quaint cross on Jehu's forehead. He carried an entire flask to anoint him with an entire flask of oil. And Jehu walks out and he's like, oh, you know what those guys are like. Jehu, you're covered in oil. Something happened when you went in there in the presence of God. Something happened to you when the prophet turned up. Something happened to you in church, something happened to you when you went away for that day and prayed. Something happened to you in the presence of God, Jehu. It's obvious. It's all over you. You're glowing. I can see it in your eyes, your clarity, your vision. Something has shifted over your life. This is so often what it's like for us. We will be in the presence of God. Maybe in church or at a conference or maybe just in our quiet time with the Holy Spirit. And God's hand will touch our lives. And often we don't see in ourselves what other people see. Sometimes we don't have the eyes to see what God has done. But you walk into a room and your friends will be like, what happened to you? What happened at that conference? What, have you, what book have you been reading? What have you been doing? Your attitude's changed. Your posture's changed. Your language has changed. You used to always do this thing, and I've noticed you're not doing it anymore. And Jehu says to them, oh, you know what these guys are like. 
And they're like, you're covered in oil. Something has happened with that prophet. And they said to him, that's not true, Jehu. Tell us what happened in there. Tell us what took place. And as we do the journey, it's our job to call out of each other what God, what we see God has put on them or put in them. We love to play stuff down, particularly in New Zealand. We're experts at it. False humility is the worst humility. Playing down what God has done in our life, not honoring what God has done in our life, maybe not fully figuring out what God has done in our life. And this is why God puts people around our world because He knows what we are sometimes not faithful to steward. Someone else who sees it in, in us will call it out from us. And any fool can spot dirt. It takes someone smart to spot gold. Someone sees a mountain and all they see is rock, dirt. You show that mountain to another person, they'll say there's gold in that hill. They've trained their eye to see it. They've trained themselves to be able to know where treasure is hidden. And in church, we need to be gold diggers, not like the bad song, but always seeing the gold, the destiny, the goodness that God has hidden within someone else. Because any fool can see the dirt. Any fool can spot out a fault or a flaw. You don't have to be an expert to do that. But in this church, and we're the kind of people that as we do the journey, our responsibility to one another is to keep calling out the gold in each other, to keep spotting the gold in each other, to keep, to keep calling out the hand of God on each other's life. This is how the body builds the body. This is how spirit builds the spirit. This is how the church builds the church. As we, and they said, that's not true, Jehu. We know something's gone down in your life. Start, start from the beginning again. Have another crack at it. Tell us what the prophet actually said. They said, tell us. So he's, he goes on, he says, all right, here is what he told me. This is what the Lord says, I anoint you king over Israel. We're going to call the bigness out of each other the greatness out of each other. Those would have been hard words to speak for a man who was a commander of his buddies to then walk out and say, what did God say to you? Well, God said, I'm now king of Israel. Ha, <laughs> Jehu, you joker. What did he actually say? How often is that the case? We love to shrink it down. We love to minimize it to downplay it. How hard for Jehu amongst his buddies, his peers, his friends to say, God has taken me from commander to king. Massive. A huge step. No wonder his friends had to draw it out of him. No wonder he, the people around his life, the ones he trusted the most, had to draw it out of him. A huge call of God, a huge anointing on his life. He didn't really want to own it. He said, oh, you know what they... You know what those prophets are like, say crazy stuff, cover you in oil, run out the door. You know, we get guys like Pastor Trent comes in, crazy, Pastor Luca, for this exact reason. They can pray and prophesy over you and run out the door. Go back to Auckland or Whangarei, wherever they're from, and then we continue to call out the destiny that God has spoken over your lives. 
We should be reminding each other of the words that God has spoken over us. We should be reminding each other of the call of God that is on our lives, fanning into flame each other's gifting, honoring what God has put in each other's life. So he says, all right, this is what he said. I'm going to tell you guys because I trust you and uh, I know you love me. That prophet anointed me as the king of Israel. And it goes on, verse 13, they quickly took off their cloaks. They spread them under him on the bare steps. They blew their trumpets and shouted, Jehu is king. Honor paves the way for the anointing. Honor paves the way for the move of God. Honor paves the way and brings from what is sitting in the spiritual world and brings it into the physical world. Honor makes a way. Jesus could not do any miracles in his hometown because no one in his hometown honored him. Honor or lack of honor was the great suffocator of the Spirit of God moving. And our honor for one another breathes life and God's Spirit into the destiny that is resting upon us. Lack of honor suffocates and stifles. And anyone who is, you know, if you're in a team and someone's leading you, you need to honor that person, celebrate them, and lift them up. If you want a way made for you, you need to make a way for someone else. And, as, and they said, they quickly took off their cloaks. They didn't say, well, we're going to pray and fast about that, Jehu. You know, we're going to test the spirits. Jehu, we're going to, you know, do everything we can to slow the process down. No, they quickly took off their cloaks. They took off. They took off their cloaks. They took off their mantle. They took off their anointing. They took off their identity. They took off what belonged to them and they laid it down in front of Jehu and said, Jehu, we make a way for your anointing. Jehu, we make a way for your calling. Jehu, we make a way for what God has done in your life because if we honor what God is doing in your life, he's gonna honor what he wants to do in our life. If he has made you king, then we wanna be a prince. If he's made you king, then we wanna be your right hand man. If he has anointed you king, then we wanna be on your team not the other team because we know what being a king means it means taking back what the enemy has stolen we want to be on the team of the king who's taking back not on the king of the team who's losing and they laid down their cloaks in the presence they laid down before Jehu they honored the call they got trumpets they blew trumpets and and they shouted over Jehu Jehu you are king Jehu you are king Jehu you are anointed Jehu God's hand is upon your life Jehu we honor you we exalt you, we thank God for you, and we, we celebrate the hand of God that is not upon your life. They didn't stare at, oh man, I wish I got that prophetic word. I wish I got that anointing. I wish I, I wish I, if only I had. No, they saw it on Jehu and they honored it and they made a way. A guy who stepped out as a commander quickly stepped into being a king because of the people that were surrounding his life and allowing them to honor the call, to honor the destiny and pave a way for the anointing and the man that he was to become. This is us doing the journey with one another. It's seeing the call of God in each other's lives and continually calling it out, continually breathing life, continually fanning it into flame, continually making a way for the, for the presence of God on someone else's life. And as they made a way for Jehu, the king walked out and Israel's freedom walked with them. Imagine Jehu walks out and they say, oh, sit back down, Jehu. 
not another one of your stories. What would have happened to Israel? Well, God would have probably raised up someone else. But because of their honor, they weren't just honoring a man. They were honoring a king, and therefore they were honoring a nation. They were honoring God because they were honoring what he wanted to do through Jehu's life. And Israel's freedom came, yes, because Jehu stepped out as king, but Israel's freedom came because the men around his life honored what God had put on his life. He had anointed him king of Israel. And it's our role and responsibility to call out the destiny that we see in one another in your connect group, in your team that you're part of. Your language should be more honoring than it is anything. Your language should be, it's like the, it is the cocoon that your destiny is transformed in. It's the cocoon that that caterpillar goes from bug to butterfly in. Like that caterpillar lives in the environment that comes out of its mouth. It spins this little web, no, cocoon, chrysalis, whatever it is. And what comes out of its mouth creates the habitat for transformation. And then what comes out of its mouth transforms bug to butterfly. And we live in the atmosphere that we set with our tongue. We live in the atmosphere that we set with our language. We live in the, the atmosphere that we weave around our life with the way that we speak. And we are a church that are committed to doing the journey to honor the gifts and calls that are on someone else's life. So if someone says to you, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a gift of worship, say to them, or sing me a song. Honor the gift that's on them. What's the song you've got to sing? If someone has a prophetic gift, say to them, well, prophesy over me. Honor the gift. Don't say, well, good for you. You know, one day, someday, maybe, no day. If someone has the gift of encouragement, the gift of giving, say, I know someone who has some need. Go and bless them. Honor what God has put on their life. This is how we do the journey and do the journey well. By saying to each other, no, tell us what God is, what has God said to you in your quiet time? What has God said to you while you've been reading the Bible? What has God said to you while you've been worshiping? What has God said to you? You know, when you've been seeking Him and, and praying, and then be bold enough to tell someone, right, this is what He said. God told me I'm to go to Asia and do X, Y, Z. Oh, that's stupid. Must have heard wrong. Don't be that guy. So how can I help you? How can we make that become a reality? God's told me I need to start doing this. How can I help you? How can I make that happen? And as we do the journey together, as we surround ourselves with people, they're going to call out the God person within us. We'll find that not only do we flourish, but everyone flourishes. As we honor, as we celebrate everyone else, we don't do it in fear of missing out. Well, if they get celebrated all the time, I might get overlooked. No one's going to get overlooked. It's not God. It's not kingdom. There's room at the table for everyone. No one's going to miss out. And I think sometimes we withhold our words because they're words we want to say to someone, we want someone else to say to us, and because it hasn't happened, we'll let it out, let the encouragement out, let the praise out. 
Let the you can do it out. I believe in you out. You've got this. And create this great atmosphere, this great climate for the anointing to flourish and thrive around your life. I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.